And away we go. It is the BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com. You know the drill. Next time you're down at the banks, make sure you stop in and see our good friend, the Holy Grail. They will get you taken care of. Lots of good food, lots of cold beverages, but especially, especially some Cincy Light on tap. Every Cincy Light that you order, an additional 50 cents will be donated to Cincy Reigns to support Cincinnati's NIL collective. So support the people that support us and go visit your good friends and our good friends at the Holy Grail at the banks. All right, let's get this show on the road. I feel a little bit better today than yesterday. Yesterday was a long day, but uh, kind of back in the groove today. I got a little rest. That yeah, was long, long that couple was, days. That was as bad a drive as I think I the second worst drive I've ever taken. Just rain the whole time. Fog and rain oh. the entire time, and um, I don't know exactly what happened. But our front windshield wipers, no spray. <laughs> oh, so you get all like the snow crap build You're up. Getting and... all the salt and all the gunk and everything on your windshield. Um, I thought at first, because like Sunday morning when we picked the car up, it was like six degrees. So it's like, ah, it's frozen. Like, yeah. But but at some point, like we're gonna be driving for t- nine hours. It'll warm up and and we'll have it. Just none in there. No, the back worked. Uh. So I don't know if there was like a something in the line or the line busted because of the the cold or whatever. But yeah, so for most of the drive, it was just salt, like caked on the front windshield, uh, with very little ability to see. We actually wanted it to like drizzle and rain oh yeah because then you could see um so it was a it was a long journey home yesterday well, looks and like then, the, the lady bearcats got a steal and score for the win against Oklahoma nice. state just now Perfect. But, uh, but yeah i had a yeah obviously i went to knoxville for the weekend left thursday <clears throat> because i didn't trust the, the state of Kentucky and the state of Tennessee yeah. to take care of the roads. They were fine. Uh, thankfully, left Thursday because we got a, we got all the snow overnight on Thursday into Friday morning, which would have been a problem. That then, wouldn't have been fun. Then decided it would be a good idea to go to the Lions playoff game. So drove home Saturday after the game. Got up. Sunday morning, drove to Detroit, went to the game, then drove back after the game. So got you know got home around midnight, whatever. So it was a, it was a fun weekend though. Which which brings me to the before we get into anything, this is I want you said on the Twitter X whatever that the Kansas decibel meter thing was reading 124. That's what it said. That is a lie. They are okay. cooking the books, okay. and I could, and I am sure of that because 
I was at a lot the Lions game that I will vouch a million times over was louder, had 45, 50,000 more people at it, and did not come close to 124. Well, you weren't at the Kansas game. I just, I do not believe it. The the thing is, is the way that that place is, is built, like Fieldhouse style, the roof is literally right at the top, like of the arena. So yeah. there's 16,000 people in there and the sound can't go anywhere. Like there's no space for it. I can tell you this. There was one point towards the end and it might have been right around when they were doing that, that Keegan and I were sitting next to each other, and I couldn't hear him speaking to me. Like, that, it gets loud. Oh, I'm not denying that it was loud. I just think they're cooking the books. Here's the other thing. Here's (laughs) the other thing that, one of the only reasons I do kind of believe it, they weren't as loud at any other point in the night as the point that they put that up there. Yeah. Like, it was a, like, challenge. Like, let's, you know... Like it used to be when they would show the yeah sure thing, and that would be the loudest that it would get yeah. all night. Like it was the loudest it was in there was when they showed that purposefully, and it, and it got to one twenty four for like like this. Yeah, it was like one nineteen, one twenty one, and then it like do bumped, mm-hmm. and they might have. I don't care. I don't either. I just thought it was either funny way. that I saw like. Two things, and it's like, man, that that travesty should be illegal in college athletics. You want me to support a team and buy a ticket? At least let me buy a damn beer. Um, yeah. But uh, but no, it, it seemed like I mean, very very jealous. I couldn't go. Um, you know, have I would have had to go, be in uh, divorce court probably if I tried to pull that one off uh, after the Tennessee game, and but I got swindled into. Lions tickets. So, did she get to go to the Lions game? Oh, it was her idea. Okay. So well, then, I, I felt, yeah, not obligated, but she has gone to a lot of UC things, a lot of yeah. Bengals things. So, uh, but uh, you know, they have to split the pot at the Lions game. Didn't win that. That was up over four hundred thousand dollars. Damn. The split the pot, you got half of that, but yeah, with that, yeah, it, it got over uh, like four fifty. Lions fans, Lions fans are feeling it right now, Chad. I mean, <laughs> they've had thirty two twenty five would have been nice to come home with, right? Yeah, they that would have almost paid for the tickets. <laughs> um, how about this, Dave? So we get a we get a Chrysler Pacifica, which was really nice. Is that like really a really? It's like a van, like a van. Yeah. Um, the two, the front, the driver's seat. I saw you had the TVs. They had the TVs. Brent and Keegan just watched the Lions Bucks game. Yeah. For three and a half hours on the drive out there, and then when we get there, somebody was like, "How was the drive?" And Brent was like, "Oh, it was, it was fine." I was like, "Yeah, yeah you, you sat, sat in the back and watched back. football for nine hours." In a comfy, like the the two seats behind, there wasn't a bench behind Cap, us. Yeah, captain seats. Two captain's chairs. So they yeah. had captain's chairs and a TV. Brent's no fool. Brent's and then no he fool. made Bob get it. Bob liked the back seat, like the bench back seat. Brent tells Bob, uh, I'm going to need to sit back there to work. And he worked about 25% of the time. And then every time I look back, he was laid out across the bench sleeping. 
I just said Brent's no fool. It was a great trip, though. We we had a blast. You you would have thoroughly enjoyed it. But honestly, I had more fun with Bob. I, I don't know who, who is Bob. Uh, he's a member. It's like, what about Bob? Yeah, what about Bob? Bob was. <laughs> if you watch the video, Bob was in the video in the back. I saw. I saw some. I'm sailing. That's Bob. Bob's married to Phyllis. Do you know Phyllis? Ah, uh, yes. Phyllis I've, I've met. I've met them. Yes, at the uh, running at, uh, at the Cincy launch, I believe. Yeah. Cincy Light launch. Yes, that's right. Well, when you couldn't go and Aaron couldn't go, and then Mo had to cancel, and then George had something come up. I was at the coach's show, and I was like, Bob, we got an open spot. You want to go? Bob said, I want to go. There you go. We brought Bob. <laughs> Bob was great. Bob was freestyling uh, in an Elmer Fudd voice at one point. <laughs> That's probably more hip-hop than Bob has ever listened to in his entire life. I would venture to guess that's an accurate statement. <laughs> by by multiple X's. Like, <laughs> times three, times ten, times all the 20. Hip -hop, all the hip-hop he's ever listened to combined. No, was, was you know, less he wrote a couple songs. Probably a couple the, songs. I was going to say, it's probably the only... Wow. <laughs> we listened to. No, he he knew a couple songs. He he was he he. Bob was hip, but uh, it was it was great. It, it's something that uh, going forward we probably need to do more of because it's just a lot of fun content. Oh yeah, um, it's a good time and and renting a house like that. And uh, how are we? Brent is not here. That's his line. See you on Monday night, Bearcat. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I, I get the sense from our pregame and from seeing the Twitter, uh, Dave is fed up with the basketball team and maybe uh, borderline ready to stop watching again. They have it, They have Saturday. One of these days you'll realize, I pay you to watch games. I mean, I'm not going to, like, not watch them, but they have Saturday, honestly. Look. Or, you know. And it's, uh, like, I get the whole, like, I'm there's a lot that I'm very pleased with, but I want to be in the damn tournament, Chad. That, that's really what it comes down to. And I just see all these missed opportunities and I look at this league and I go, how many clean games are you going to get? Probably one, two, maybe at home where you, you have it going and the other team doesn't. And it's a fairly, fairly clean game so if you're only going to get one or two games like that it's just it's it's hard for me to, to to like look at it and go you know we're gonna yeah i'm thrilled that they're in all these games thrilled that they you know got down against kansas got down against tcu came like but to me expectations change in a season and in a game where it's like, did I go in expecting them to beat Kansas? No, I did not. But when it's tied at halftime, I, to me, I say, all right, now let's figure out a way to get it done. They're not playing great. You're not necessarily playing great. It's tied. You've pretty much neutralized Hunter Dickinson to that point. He's in foul trouble. Like the player well, no. that. No, at halftime, he had 10 and five and one foul. 
Oh, okay. I thought maybe yeah. two. He picked but, up two in the first segment of the second half. Like, but either, either way, like, okay, so that to me tells me that okay, maybe you're even playing a little bit better because he's having a pretty good first half, and you're tied. So, like, I'm not saying my expectation was go like you have to win, but when they don't, I can't. I per this is just me speaking. Like, I can't personally then fall back to going. Well, I didn't think they were going to win anyway, and so it's nice that they didn't get blown out. Like, it's it's hard for me to then fall back to to that mindset when you're in that game, and I just look at how they play, and it's there are you know in the non-conference and especially like Dayton Xavier, the defense was an issue. We all talked about that. I think the if defense, they play is, defense like they have been the past six games, they win one of those two games. I think the defense in the Big 12 play has been quite Excellent. good. Yeah. But the problem is when the defense is good, they can't throw the ball in the ocean. Or when the defense is good, they can't stop handing the ball to the other team. And they don't they're they're not able to and I'm not saying you have to do all of the things great at the same time but like against Kansas for instance you go 3 for 18 from 3 and turn the ball over 15 times and it's like if you got if you turn the ball over 12 times and made two three two more threes or if you just got the damn ball up on the rim and played to your strength as an off as a rebounding team these these games these outcomes can be totally different, but it it's just it's but like how many times are you going to play games where one of those things isn't going to be an issue? Like the turnover thing to me is is infuriating because none of these teams are trying to turn them over. We're either throwing terrible lob passes, dribbling off our feet, dribbling into three guys, falling like. This traveling is, when you get a is, point guard on you in the post. Right. I mean, it's like, you know, if, if 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 the Big 12 was a big pressure conference and you're getting pressed all the time and running and jumping and traps and stuff, and you got inexperienced guards, like I I can understand why the turnover numbers would be high. But in some of these instances, I mean, like, am I out of my mind outside of um Adams for Kansas, UC was like the far more athletic team. Uh, I mean, Harris is, is decently athletic, but I wouldn't say he's more athletic than like Jizzle and Day Day. I wouldn't, right. I wouldn't call him more athletic than Jizzle and Day Day. Um, yeah, but Kansas is, is much more skill than like McCuller. But, but I'm saying like the turnovers, like the turnovers, you're like, you're more athletic than them. You can get the spots. But you're like out of yeah, but control. You gotta, you gotta be able to dribble. Right. <laughs> I, I figured we were kind of past the stage of like, can you dribble? <laughs> can you can you dribble through three guys? Well, you no, shouldn't you be usually dribbling. you shouldn't be dribbling should, through three guys. You shouldn't be attempting to dribble through three <laughs> right. guys. Right. Right. Yeah. We're so on the same it, page it's there. just like, you know, I just it's it's you know, it's I don't know. It's it's kind of a a push and pull of like, yes, they're right there in all of these losses. I mean, they've lost 
the six losses, even counting UD, is by an average of 5.3 points. Yeah, they've lost they've lost four Big 12 games by a total of 13 points. In these losses, they've, they are they've won they've won two Big 12 games by a total of 15 points. Yeah. They are still plus 2. Yeah. In Big 12 games. I mean, they've they're shooting 40.8% in their losses and 24.6% from 3. Yeah, and, and this is where we're going to argue. And it's fine. I'm not, I mean, um, I, I totally get what you're saying. I'm just like, I mean, I'm not going to use the F word because I think yeah, we're, I think we're, I think we're past yeah. that for some guys. Uh, I, I don't, I mean, like if you want to argue day, day is not going to shoot the three. Well, I'll agree with you. He's one of 13 I, in conference. But I don't, I'm he not, hit, I'm not a, he hit a big one, but I'm not entirely <laughs> like, I guess I'm not really expecting. I don't know. I wasn't really expecting him to be. Uh, a I didn't expect year. him to be one of thirty, like like eight yeah, percent. No, that's, that's true. I mean, I think Seamus being eight for 22 percent in Big Twelve play, with a lot of those being some pretty clean looks, wide open. Like he and, he has got to to be better, catch and, and shoot. Wide, like and, there was there was two pictures that Brent had on his phone where. When he caught the ball, the closeout was 12 feet away. Like, yeah. you have got to step into that. Two of them were and, and bounced out. Like, I don't know what, as a shooter, you can do. But, like, like one for six, over for six, whatever, he has to be better. But here's the point I'm going to make. I think they... What we are seeing, and the reason I you the reason uh, that that Brad Chendo guy from the Topeka Times, <laughs> uh, I talked to him afterwards, and the reason he used the word funk is because we have seen them be better than this, and we have seen them be better than this in Big Twelve play, and it's not a matter of they need to be fifty percent from the floor and thirty eight to forty percent from three. It's a matter of in the games, they've been good off it. They've been quality offensively in three games. BYU, I would like this a little higher, but I think if this is the number they win, uh, three other games, 42% from the floor, 40% from three. Oh, That'll get the job 40% done. 40% from three, Jesus. I mean, David said. Texas, a loss, 47% from the floor, Yeah, 41% from three. And then the TCU game, 52% from the floor and 37.5% from three. In half of their Big 12 games, they have been where I think would be a winning recipe for them throughout the conference. The right. problem that you have is, and I'm I've agreed with you because when everybody was talking about free throws, what was I saying? Not... Yes, free throws are For a sure. problem, but there are other problems that need to be more consistent that well, need I mean, to be it's, fixed. If you if you miss eight, you know, if you go 60% from the line and you miss eight free throws, but you make five more field goals, guess what doesn't matter? The free throws. The eight free throws that you missed. Like, th there is one game I would be willing to say 
free throws cost them. And that was Texas because they shot 47% from the floor. And they shot 41% from three. That is good enough to win. They won rebounding, but they were eight of 15 from the line in a one point loss. Okay. That one, sure. But in the other three, Baylor, 39% from the floor, 19% from three. Oklahoma, 38% from the floor, 26% from three. Kansas, 39% from the floor, 16% from three. So you basically have three pretty quality offensive performances and three just yeah, there's, there's offensive performances. There's like just nothing be, here. Just be bad. Don't even just if you're just that's bad. my whole stance is if you can just get to like like not not good, like just a little below average. Like national average. Right. Then then you're sitting at four and two or better right now. But because of because of the way that you played in those three disasters, you're you're fighting uphill. Now going forward, and do you have any what else do you have anything else you want to get to on Kansas? No, I mean, not not really. I mean, I think you know there's there's cer- there were certainly like individual moments, but I mean they're all yeah. they all built, you know, they're all it all kind of is is in the same conversation. Like I don't need to, you know, one play, you know, good or bad, doesn't change the fact that, you know, everyone on the team besides Dan uh, was zero for fifteen from three, or whatever. Oh, you know, what was yeah. Dan three for whatever, and then the rest of the team was zero for. Yeah. So like Dan was three for four, and everybody else was zero for fourteen. Fourteen. Or yeah. So. Yeah, I it's you know, but it's like and that's where you know, I think me personally, I I probably not necessarily downplayed, but didn't realize, you know, because I thought other guys, I mean, and that's the thing is that hindsight's 2020, when CJ goes out, you me personally is thinking like, yes, it's a loss, but I feel I feel pretty good that other guys can can maybe pick up that that scoring and it just hasn't happened, which has amplified his absence even more from a, from a three point shooting standpoint, but also from a free throw shooting standpoint and just being on the floor and being in, in the actions and how him being on the floor affects how the defense has to play other guys. Um, You know, I think we've seen also, I mean, we we were belaboring the, the, um, three-point shooting because it's glaring, but I would say the post guys have not right not really been good. Not been good either. So you know they're we talk three-point shooting, but like how many how many twos and how many it's, it's definitely how many, both. How many easy twos? And like if you you know if you make a couple more of those, I mean, you know, I I appreciate Day Day's aggressiveness trying to dunk everything, but like that one play, I don't think he had to. Uh, he had he'd used his speed to get out ahead of Dickinson and probably could have laid it in, which he misses a dunk. They get the they get the ball and and you know BF the the play and don't get anything out of a one on zero fast break. Yeah. And 
you know, we got, you know, the post guys are missing layups. They're fumbling the ball. I mean, it's, it's a lot. So it's certainly not fair to pin this all on, on outside shooting, which certainly comes and goes, you know, in a season for, for probably almost everybody outside of the truly elite shooting teams. And, well, yeah. and, and I don't think either of us were putting them in that category to begin no, with. So, no. so when, when you, when you feel like you have a, a, a three-man post game that it, that is pretty formidable, and then and then that's not delivering. It, it just you know it, it heightens every element of sure of the offense. Yeah, and that's what I was getting at when I was arguing with people about the free throw thing. That were were just very simple minded in thinking. Like no, like they have had opportunities where free throws should not have mattered in any of those games. Like they have, they have put themselves in a position because of the, the turnovers, because of the inability to score at the rim, because of the ability, inability to knock down open rhythm threes. They have put themselves in a position for free throw shooting to hurt them. But that's not the entire cause of the problem, is all I was trying to get at. And I think what's so funny in the internet these days is everybody forgets the first thing I said, which was the free throws are a problem, but they're not the only problem. Well, how could you say the free throws aren't a problem? Well, I didn't, I didn't say, say that. <laughs> I said they are one of the problems, but I tend to look at things a little more uh, widescreen instead of small screen. And the stuff that happened to Kansas, except for, imagine that. But the funny thing is, the only reason they remained in the game is because they were able to make free throws. Yeah. Uh, because if they, if they have their, their standard 58% performance from the free throw line, that, thing's, that thing ends up a 13-point yeah, loss. Yeah. I mean, the good news is they're not the worst free throw shooting team in the conference anymore. No, that's Oklahoma State, right? No, Houston's right behind oh, them. Houston. Okay. I mean, Oklahoma State might be even – I know they were last for for a while, but, I mean, um, yeah, free, poor free throw shooting gets highlighted in very close games because it's the easy thing to look at. Right. Because it, especially the Texas game because it's like John Newman makes a couple, you probably win. And – uh, so it, it's glaring and it's easy to look at when it's like we lost by two and we missed eight free throws. If we had only gone, if we had only missed four, we would have won. Like, right. But the bigger issue to me is like, and they're all big issues, but it's like we went four for 17 in the paint. Yeah. <laughs> if, if we went seven for 17, which is still really damn bad, <laughs> you know, you'll probably win against a team that didn't have a shot blocker. I'm just like throwing a number out. I don't know. No, know. the numbers were, I don't have the exact numbers, but they weren't great uh, in the paint against Kansas. Right. Um, with that against a team and like Texas, they were bad at the rim at times. And Texas is the, the shot blocker for them was out. Yeah. Like it, it's little stuff like that. And I know like, like with the day, day and Jizzle, I understand there is a learning curve. There is an experience factor. That I mean, in a league where it, it's physical, you get bodied on your way to the rim. 
but you have to work through learning how to play through that. And I'm sorry, I say that because they've never had to play through that before. Like they weren't getting hit on their way to the rim like they are in the Big Twelve no. in JUCO or high school. Um, and and most of the time, if they were, you got a foul call. In this league, you're probably not getting that call at the rim more often than not. And they have to figure – we've seen Day-Day make some progress. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, the missed dunk was annoying. Like, Yeah, but, I mean, he also, like, did a good job shielding himself and, like, turn and getting an in and getting an in one. So, right. I mean – He's getting better. Here's, here's my question, though, is, like – and this might be a – you can tell me, like, this is idiotic. But, like, outside of just saying, well, we just need to shoot better – how can they actually like what can they do to actually fix it? And is this like I'm to the point now, like I want to see more of Day Day and Jizzle together? I do too. Because from an um, off, like, they, like, is the off, like, the way they attack, the way they create separation, the way they can get in the paint and 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 make the, the defense shift. At this point, is that more important than any deficiency that that they might present? And I'm not saying that it's going to happen like 30 minutes a game, but like, is is Jizzle that bad defensively that they can't play together a little bit more to try to get something think- going offensively or get to the line? I mean, they're both pretty good free throw shooters. Like, just a way to get this offense it's i mean the offensive flow seems okay like like we said they, they've missed a lot of open shot. shot it's not like they're getting like seven shot clock violations a game because the other the big 12 teams are so long and athletic that they just can't do anything against them or like, or they're they're taking a lot of shots with two seconds three right, seconds fall, on the fade away shot. threes or you know triple team shots in the put like i don't see a lot of that so like Saying like the offense itself is the issue. I don't really see that. But I like agree. is is playing them together a little bit more a strategy that from an off strictly offensive standpoint, I know the risk you're so, taking defensively, but they're losing these games because of offense. <laughs> so I think the problem with that is and I, I have I have been talking about it since the Xavier game, I think, seeing them a little bit more together. I think the issue there is they have both been so bad from three that teams, if you put them both on the floor together, teams are going to go under ball screens. Yeah. They're, they're going to sag and there's not going to be those driving lanes that you hope that they open up. Um, that would be my only concern. I still, uh, I guess, would, and we saw it a little bit against Kansas and I, I would like to see it. I think it's one of those things that like start out at five, six minutes a game and, and see if it works that day. Um, but I do worry that if you have both of them out there and neither of them can can be a threat to stretch the floor, that you're just going to see five guys with a foot in the paint um, and, and saying, okay, I dare you. Like, I dare you to beat us over the top. Um, that, that would be my biggest concern. And I think it's probably, especially 
I think if you could, if you had CJ, where you could set CJ up on a wing and get a high ball screen and get one of those two to play downhill with CJ there for the kickout, like maybe it changes the math some. But you know, I I just I worry that I that we would see a lot of that. I don't disagree with any of that, and I'm you know I me saying this idea there's no ramifications to it whatsoever. If, if, I've said it. I would like to see but it more. At the same time, like who cares? See what happens for for a couple extra minutes. Yeah. And if it I, if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. But like, I think what, here's what, what's, the what's the what's the alternative offensively right now? Like the same like. Guys are just missing open shots. Like, yeah, but you know what coaches think? Like, the, the offense is working. We got to let them power through it. We got to let them figure. I mean, they have, as I pointed out, there have been six games. In three of the games, the numbers have been acceptable. And in three of the games, they haven't. And, it, you know, there are going to be bad nights in this league because the other teams are really good. And, and that's, sometimes see, that's, that's the scary part. They haven't really had a bad night yet. No, they've had offensively. They have had no, bad but nights. I mean, like where it's just that. where the, the whole thing is kind of a mess, which everybody's well, going to have. And yeah, but I, I think that's probably the promising thing, Dave, is if you look at who they've played, right. They haven't had a bad night. You know, they, they haven't had a great night like BYU, I guess, second half of BYU. But that's was uh, as that, good as they've looked to on. me, though, is like the frustrating thing because it's like you haven't had the bad night and you've been right in there, but you haven't been able to kind of take it over the hump because it's just like well, because you, you shot thirty eight percent and and fifteen percent. Like you, you have to help yourself at some point. Again, like I'm with you. Like I, the offense. There are many years where offensively. They were not getting a lot of good looks. No. Or or they were having to make tough shots far more often than they needed to. That's not been overly a factor. Like, have there been stretches of it? Sure. I mean, just look back at, like, Landers and Dave. Like, how many times we talk about if they both don't score 20, like, they're getting blown out. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you're in kind of that, like, you know, Dan – tantalizes and then disappears or doesn't show up at all or is great the entire game. So it's like you can't really count on – there's really no one right now offensively that you can count on game – like to produce at least a, a fairly consistent night. You know what's crazy is the guy that you kind of can count on to do that has been John. Yeah. More often, like, far more often than not, he's been able to bang an right. open three or two. He's been able to score at the rim. He's been good in transition. One of the few guys that's been good in transition. Um, like, but that's part of but the problem. Is also highlights the problem. He needs to be like your your third, third wheel, or fourth, right? <laughs> like, and it's, good that, it's good that John gets nine and six a night because we have these two guys getting fourteen and fifteen. Right. Right. So, yeah, that, that kind of exempt, like what it comes down to a lot right now, Dave, is they can't get CMOS and Dan good on the same night. Well, that's the thing I, I mentioned earlier is like on the nights you play good defense, 
and don't play terrible offense, you throw the ball to the other team. And the nights that you don't give the ball to the other team, you can't throw the ball in the ocean. Yeah. So it's like the whole thing is just not, not you know, coming together even in a in a way that like you know, like I said, not expecting it to be like we held them to fifty and shot fifty percent from across the board and turned the ball over five times. Like I don't think. Well, that, I don't I, think here's here's the crazy in, part. Has that in them? First off, in here's the crazy part. Their two best games taking care of the ball are losses. Yeah. They only had seven turnovers against Baylor and only eight against Oklahoma, and they lose both of those games. Yeah, because you can't. One by three, one by four. Because you, you got a combined uh, what, 11 for 47 from three. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, not great, Bob. I think about 24%, something along those lines. But that that's kind of like as we get into what's next. I think we both agree. I hate using this term in late January. Central Florida home, West Virginia on the road are must wins. Yeah. Because if you don't and you don't get back to 4 and 4, if you're sitting at 3 and 5 with 10 to go, right? And 5 and at Texas Tech and Houston at home are the two games after that. Right. And then Iowa State, who's really good. Like, those are your – Houston at home, Iowa State at home uh, are the home games. It starts with a two-game road swing, West Virginia and Texas Tech. Um, if you don't win these next two, let's just say nine is the number. Like, you need to get to nine to get into the NCAA tournament. If you're sitting at three and five after eight and you have 10 to go, you have to go six and four at Texas Tech, Houston, Iowa State, at UCF, which is where they've been really good, Oklahoma State at home, but then you end the season at TCU, at Houston, Kansas State at home, at Oklahoma, and then West Virginia at home. Yeah, I mean, it's where, like... Where, how are you getting to six? The data can say whatever you want to say, and you can say, like, oh, they're top 30 in Ken Palm, and they're top th But they're one in five in quad one games, and you just, like, it, all that data doesn't mean anything if you don't actually beat anybody. Right. You know why they play, Dave? To win the game. <laughs> you play to win the yeah, game. It's, there's not, like, a column where it's, like, quad one, quad two, quad three, quad four. And then close. really good close. in your close first losses. year in Big 12, but still lost. Yeah, close loss. Close losses aren't on the committee sheet. Because like all those all those metrics are like, yes, how you play. But you but bottom line is if they don't figure it out, they're gonna have a whole lot of how you played. Oh, they played like a tournament team, but they're three and nine in quad one. Right. And there's gonna be a whole lot of teams. With way better, quad, you know. No, there's not really at the bottom. At the bottom, well, back of the bubble, there's not, not at the bottom. But, but I mean, like you're. <laughs> I, know, I know. You're just not putting. You're not going to be in a position to to. You have to get wins. You have to. Get, yeah. You have to win. Like you, you, you have to get to 20, 19, 20 wins, and if you don't get to nineteen or twenty wins, 
you're not getting in. Like that's that's how it goes. So these next two are super critical, and it's a six game. Like I kind of broke like in my brain, broken this thing down into three six game segments. Right. Um, and these next six, UCF at home. And then you get the two-game road swing, West Virginia and Texas Tech. Then you get Houston and Iowa State here, and then UCF on the road. You need to find a way to be four and two. It's right, but it's just like every time you look at a team, you're just like, yeah, they're they're not as you know the 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 problem. You know, dropping the text both the Texas and Oklahoma games at home is. What is really, really hurting them? Because if they had one, we'd be like, if we they would be just had one, because like, yes, almost every team is much better at home, but you still look and it's like, well, UCF went to Texas and won. So, like, why are they going to feel like they can't come here and win? Right. And yeah, West Virginia is not, I mean, I don't think anybody, you know, they have the same conference record as us, but they're, they're, their numbers are not in the same hemisphere, but guess what? They were down 16 at home, or were losing at home to Kansas and beat them. Getting spanked. Yeah, getting spanked. And they same thing with home. UCF. They were down 16 at home and came back to Kansas and won that game. Yeah. So it's like, wh- where are, you know, we talk. And guess know. what? If you see closed like UCF and West Virginia did against Kansas, UC beats Kansas. Right, and that's because why they, they made shots, they got offense rebounds, like they made plays. But the two, the two home, the two close home losses get magnified because it's like you can. I do not expect to win a single road game. They've already and, won one. Right, so they've won they've already, one. They've far and, exceeded your expectations. Yes. But I mean, like going in, you're like, if, I know. you figured they're going to, but like you just don't go in going, oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna win this road game. So. That's why winning the home games are magnified even, even more. Right. Well, so yeah. Saturday is, man. That's a because I think just from a mentality standpoint too, it's like yeah. now we've now we're one and three at home. And guess what? Central Florida is really good on defense. Yeah. They're pretty bad on offense. But they're I think what they're athletic, they're they're long, they want to long or they're the typical Johnny Dawkins team. So like and we've played them plenty. Like there's not gonna be this is a you know, this is almost like a you know, when you play in your division in the NFL, like the Bengals have been so successful against the NFC, but then have struggled recently against they have seen like they know us just as well as we know them. Obviously, the players are different, and there's big roster turnovers anymore. But, like, we're not going to run a bunch of stuff that they've never seen and vice versa. Guess what they are in adjusted defense? 14th. Six. That's pretty good. So, it's pre- if you're if you're expecting the offense to uh... – like to explode, hit a hit a flip a switch. <laughs> Saturday is probably not the night it's going to happen, so you're probably going to have to grind another one out. Now they are also a team that has shot 15.9 percent from the floor for a game this season. 
That's that's not great. That's the lowest uh, field goal percentage in a game in the history of the Big 12. Oh, who was so, that against? Houston. You didn't oh. see that? No. They had 14 points at halftime. They ended up with 44, uh, and one of them was on a layup with like with with walk-ons in the game uh, <laughs> to close it out. They made seven field goals the entire game. I mean, that's legitimately, like, hard to do. Yeah. Even with, like, even with defense out there. <laughs> it's hard for that in a half. Like, you, you see it. Teams score, you know, 22 points in a half. They make, like, seven field goals, and they, they hit some free throws. But, like, that's hard to do for a half. I, I think they scored four field goals uh, in the first half combined. <laughs> 14 points. So it's probably going to be ugly Saturday. It usually is with them. You got to win by one. I, I just right. period. I mean, period. That's why after the TCU game, I was like, all those things that didn't go well, I don't really care about because they right. won. And then you lose two in a row, and Dave cares about them again. Yeah. That's so. how it works. That's how it works. But my contention is, Dave. I know you're very Marvin Lewis on this, and I use this line all the time. I see better than I hear. But I would argue that we have seen it in half of the Big 12 games, that they have shot well enough to, to not be in the category that you're putting them in. My point being, they do not have to be great on offense. But it has to go up a notch. They can't be awful. Right. They can't be awful half the time. Because if you're awful half the time, you're probably going to lose more than half of your games. Because there's going to be a game where you're good and the other team is better. So I, you can't continue to put yourself in under 40% from the floor, under 30% from three, under 60% from the free throw line with 15 turnovers. The right. fact I'm the fact that they're in some of these games is fucking amazing, if we're being quite honest. Yeah, I mean, they they got down against Kansas, and then in the second half didn't make a basket for over six minutes. And until Johnny, whatever, Furby, Furby. or – he's Furby. the new Bob Huggins, Jimmy Benny to me. <laughs> like, you got cooked by the fifth guy on the, on the scout. Well, he's not going to be the fifth guy. He's going to end up being the third guy for them by. Well, the, sure. But you know month. what I mean? It's like at halftime, yeah. Bob Huggins comes in and goes, who the is Jimmy Vinny? <laughs> yeah. Uh, old, old UD game reference there for the old, old school fans. Um, but yeah, like, you know, and then until he hits that three and makes it 10 with like two minutes to go. I mean, it's a, you're never. It was it was close, but it never really felt like you they were in a position to to truly steal it. Like it never got lower than four, and they always when it got to four, Kansas always seemed to, to answer. Have an answer. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's another game where you where the coaches are probably watching it and looking at it and going, "We turned it over how many times? We shot what? And we only lost by five? Like what the is going on?" Right. We get how many step-in rhythm looks from three. We get how many like. That's going to be more infuriating than, than getting blown out. 
To an extent, yeah. It's probably why you yell at Brad Chendle from the Topeka Times for mildly suggesting you. it's the a F good word. thing you have a couple days to get your team out of the F word. Mm-hmm. I felt bad for that guy. You know, part of the job. It is. It Got to ask, ask the tough questions. That sometimes you ask the tough questions, and that's what happens. I I do appreciate that he was willing to ask the tough question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, oh boy. Um. Yeah. I mean, go win. Go win the next two. Because I don't want to be sitting here. I mean, I guess next week we're going to have to do a post game show, nine thirty ish. Which works, which I was going to talk to you about this um, at a later date, but that actually works out beautifully for me. So, okay. Yeah. West Virginia games at seven at West Virginia next Wednesday night. Um, give me enough time to wa- listen to the, the post game radio show. And then, uh, you know, you and I will go live and discuss. I think that's uh, it's a good plan. Mm hmm. Um, any other, any other basketball stuff you want to get to Mm, do like, I guess we don't really talk injuries, but it's pretty, everyone knows what CJ's injury is. Do we like, do you, is this still like another month? Is it? So he's from what I've heard indefinite, you know, he's running, he's back to running. Um, I think they want to give him maybe the rest of this week to, to, you know, build back up some of that muscle memory and stamina and and all that stuff. And then hopefully by next week, you, you start to get him back to practice. Um, I would think at best case, we're probably two weeks from seeing him best case. Uh, but here's the problem with the hamstring, Dave. One, yeah, it's just even coming. One like it's, gray. Just, it's not. It's not going to be right though. Like regardless, like yeah. But I'm saying, like in this in this recovery process, if he wakes up one morning and it's it's sore, back to start over, right? Like yeah. you, you you can't risk rushing it back with that injury because if it's not healed 100, percent you're susceptible to doing more damage so um ultimately it, it he's he has been running which i think is a good obviously a good first step he's been shooting some um you know getting back to just being able to take spot jumpers off of kickouts and passes um but you know a lot is going to be dependent on probably this week and next week how it responds as they start ramping him up to to more and more activity so Mm -hmm. and i mean they they can get him back for february it would be a really big help february going forward um as it stands right now that is a you know wing shooter is 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 a question because there are some games where Dan looks great, and there are some games where it looks like he's never shot a three before in his life. 
You mean like there's some and, ha- there's some halves? Yeah, well, they, Kansas didn't just didn't give him a lot of opportunities in that second half. It didn't feel like. Yeah, I mean, I think he played. He was, and I don't necessarily fault him for it because no one else was really doing much. Right. Like I think he just tried to to take mat, you know, matters into his own hands, so to speak, and got and he back, was guarded. Got back to. <laughs> out of control Dan at times. Um but, but the but problem I, being but he was guarded. There was yeah, guys but, all over him in the second half. But I don't fault him for it because like look around. Who else was going to do something? Right. Somebody had to to be the aggressor. Yeah. So yeah. All right. That's gonna wrap it up. That's talking basketball. That was brought to you by Team Ticker. It's a one-of-a-kind sports sign for future Bearcat fans. It's got a high-tech retro display that provides daily updates of the latest news, stats, schedules, betting odds, and much more. No subscription required. If you're looking for the perfect addition to your man cave, a gift for that uh, that special Bearcats fan, a dorm room, uh, you name it, maybe in your kitchen, so you get a reminder uh, when the Bearcats are about to, to, to play, and you can go into the living room and watch uh go to teamticker.com and pick up your team ticker today their new sale to kick off 2024 you get 50 percent off when you use promo code bcj teamticker.com there's the c paul aaron's got the uh the bearcat right there and uh bearcat mick loves his team ticker Thank you, Bearcat Mick. That also brings us to a timestamp. And that timestamp is brought to you by Turtles Brew. Zero sugar, zero carbs, gluten-free, bourbon-infused sweet tea. They have lemonade tea, cherry lime, strawberry mint, raspberry peach, orange vanilla. There's uh, 100 locations in Ohio, 50 uh, roughly in the Cincinnati area. If you want to know where you can find it, go to turtlesbrew.com for more information and locations. And the most important part, Dave, a portion of the proceeds go to Save the Sea Turtles. That's right. So, yay. Uh, <laughs> turtlesbrew.com. They will get you squared away. Uh, where you want to start on football? New DC? Yeah. All right. Uh, so Kelsey just got home, so I'm going to need a second. Okay. But uh, give us the the overall early impression from Dave Simone as he learned of the new defensive coordinator. Uh, Tyson, I believe it's Vite from Iowa State. Correct. Has been there Vite. eight seasons, coached exclusively the linebackers, is from Ohio, went to Muskegon, has coached at Toledo, uh, Bluffton, <clears throat> been a head coach at the Division Three level, I believe, did some work at Indiana and West Virginia, but been with Matt Campbell, coach linebackers for eight years. I've, I also believe associate head coach or something like that. Um, the linebacking play from Iowa State speaks for itself. Um, during those years, seven different, Linebackers were all 
Big 12, whatever it is, first, second, third team, 16 times, three different times, all three starting linebackers were all Big 12. Um, they run a 3-3-5 with heavy focus on uh, a third safety. So they they take a defensive lineman off the field and put a third safety in the middle whose main responsibility is to play the run moving forward. So almost like a three, four um, with aggressive cornerback play and then kind of a Tampa two look from the traditional safeties uh, behind so that'll be interesting to see how and who and if you know if that's how they align and who fills in those spots given that uh safety play last year you know i think it's fair to say wasn't great and then we had a big lack of depth coming into the portal season which now makes the acquisitions of Josh Minkins, Logan Wilson, Makai Miller, all the, you know, those guys were more safeties for their previous teams. We'll see how everybody lines up uh, for the Bearcats. But I posted, if you want to learn more there, because he's been at Iowa State for eight years and because they have had very good defenses, there is a good amount of information out there about him, about, how they play. So I posted a a pretty thorough article in the in the thread about him regarding just the three three five with the three the three safety look and how that works and why they do it. And then I posted a link that brings you to uh, Google and just a whole bunch of videos, whether they're interviews with him, whether they're kind of coaching clinic cut-ups of defending the RPO, defending – I mean, the main reason it sounds like they kind of went to this alignment was to combat the – I will call it old school now, but old school Big 12 uh, air raid, running gun, vertical, a passing attack type of offenses – Putting there a, was definitely an infusion of air raid for a while there where everybody in the league yes. was doing. So, I mean, the, the way I've heard it, him say it, especially in defending the RPO, is putting another 220-pound person on the field versus a, a bigger guy that just, like, you can kind of match numbers better against these passing attacks and against the RPO when you have – Four over three versus three over three and having an extra guy at the line that for all intents and purposes in, in some of these passing attacks and against the RPO, like doesn't really do much. Can't really yeah. combat, can't really go against that. Um, and they have not been, and the thing is, even going to this, they have been excellent stopping the run as well. So they have been able to, I think it goes back to how they've used this third safety as almost a, you know, 
box safety run, linebacker. Run yeah. Like you're flying up, you're always moving forward. Um, you're in you're in the middle, so to speak. But you know, maybe on the head. I mean, I I need much more. Uh, watching and and seeing how that works in in action, but uh, I mean, just going off of going off of his track record. I mean, I, I think there's there's a lot to like about about the. I mean, obviously, UC has not made it officially official, um, but the you know, so we'll say just like the potential addition, but. You know the way the way I kind of look at it anymore, and, and I know I could be I could be wrong, and I know recruiting is the lifeblood of 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 everything, and you you always need to have the the best players. But I also kind of like I want my coordinators, especially or 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 my you know whether it's Coach Satterfield because he calls the plays, and and my defensive coordinator in this case like. I is going to run the defense, right? I want their focus, not solely because that is unrealistic, but like I want their every waking moment trying to figure out how we gain an advantage on Saturdays, and and what is the what is the one or two things that we can do schematically and with our personnel that gives us the best chance to win. And and certainly you can't be a zero at recruiting. Like, you, right. You, but I don't think, you, can be. but I don't think you get to the position he's in. If, if that were the case, but like defensively, there were major issues last year. And so I want him spending all the time possible of looking at it and going, okay, here's where we can get better. Here's where, Here's where we can take advantage of our personnel. Here's where we can take advantage of another team's weakness. And and being that Saturday coach that is like, you know, the, the calls he made or the the personnel groupings that he uses are the difference in these, you know, sometimes it was more earlier, you know, earlier in the season, but is the difference in these in these close games where we, you know, kind of gave stuff away in the second half or didn't make the plays that we needed to make at the right time. So, you know, <clears throat> very interesting to see, you know, I'm sure whenever he is official, they'll, they'll have a press conference. I mean, they had a press conference with the other coordinators. They, they, so be interested to hear him speak on it and, and then see how it looks come, you know, what, a month, a month and a half? Yeah, and how much, I don't know how much you can ever really tell at spring ball other sure. than, like, just getting to see it a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I do still have a little concern that it will be his first time calling defense, but that is alleviated by the fact he's had eight years of experience dissecting big 12 offenses. Right. Like, like he knows like the back of his hand pretty much like, was there, was there a coaching change in the league besides Houston? None of the teams that were in the big 12 this past year. Yeah. I know like the, the ones that are coming in, but you didn't know those. My point being, you didn't know those games right. anyway. I mean, like, to in me, terms it's, of 
it's kind of like like Brian Callahan in the Bengals. Like he didn't call the plays, but he sure shit knew what the hell was going on. <laughs> right. Like, like this is a guy that has deep Big Twelve experience. He didn't he didn't call the play into whoever you know whoever, but like he has a great idea. I mean, I assume he had a great idea of like what the heck was going on. Yeah, you would think. So that would be the one thing like I would have preferred somebody with uh more experience doing that, but I also understand that this guy puts you in a different situation because he has uh seen it all. Right. All of it. So, you know, and the funny thing is, Dave, like this isn't that you look at the backs that are coming back. In this league, it ain't a pass first league right now. No. It is a run first and then try to spread you out off of that run league much more than it is air raid like it used to be. Mm-hmm. So, no, I like it. I, I will be interested, you know, when, whenever the official hiring process plays itself out. Uh we'll hear from him and uh i'm excited to kind of get some of those thoughts and you know still trying to get a little bit more clarity on what this looks like in terms of who coaches what spots next year because while i'm sure you would be be okay with him coaching safety like he has proven to be one of the better linebacker coaches in america i'm sure you would like him coaching linebackers if at all possible yeah it's, yeah we'll see how that whole thing shakes out but you know i i it's not a huge concern of mine just because like you just i just want the best coaches you can figure out that stuff yeah Um, and and as we've talked about in recruiting and this is something that people have to adjust their mindset to with assistant coaches like yes they still do a lot of recruiting but so much of the stuff that they used to do is now on the plate of Zach Grant and Jack Griffin and Cass Cass Mm -hmm. Simmons. And like, it is not what it used to be where the assistant coaches were the heavy lifters. They are still heavily involved. They still have a ton of influence. They, they still are on the road meeting with these recruits and families and, and all of that stuff, but it's not like it was, it just isn't. Like they're they're paying a lot of money for a recruiting staff to recruit so that the assistant coaches can do what? Coach. Coach. Yeah. The game has changed. Like you have to readjust your brain on some of that. Yeah. But um Josh Minkins officially joins the fold. <laughs> yes. uh, even though he still has not announced it. No, he did. Look, Oh, yeah, he did. That's right. He did. He um, did. <laughs> some of these guys in the transfer portal, man, they just don't care if it's I mean, announced or not. I would be the same way. Like, I don't I don't care. I'm I'm a senior, like I've done I've done all this stuff. Like I'm it's 23. Not, it's not important to me to put something up on Twitter that says I'm, you know. Right, going to this school, like, yeah, whatever. So, whatever, yeah. Um, but he's here, which is good. 
because now they need another safety. And then his mom came out and said, the reason we're here is Coach Satterfield. He gave Josh a chance. Josh played his best uh, playing for Coach Satterfield. And he feels comfortable doing that again uh, at the end of his career. So I think that's a nice plus as well. Uh, you want to get into Harbaugh? We're going to talk Cruton? We can talk Cruton. How about it? We had a, had a Cincy visit weekend last weekend. Uh, you know, Keegan put the 25s up on the board that we're visiting. It'll be interesting to see if any of those guys, uh, one in particular that I am watching, if, if, he, if they are back. This weekend, which looks like more of like not really a junior day, but like a early top targets, you know, or some of your top targets type of day. Right. Uh, this this Saturday, there's already some names that have started to come out and said that they're going to be in town, and we've tried to post as, as many of those. I, I think we should have a finalized list probably tomorrow. Yeah. That That is... That has been in the works. Uh, obviously, a little difficult with us on the road for a couple of days. Yeah, but uh, that is uh, that's something that was uh, in the works today, and hopefully have that uh, have that lined up with Keegan tomorrow. Coaches have been all over the place. I, I it feels like uh, yesterday and today there were quite a few of them up in Northern Ohio. So you know, it we'll see we'll see what. Uh, who shows up on, on Saturday and how that continues to go, you know. Um, but no, there's, you know, that's kind of the standard. We're about to what? About to enter into a dead period, right? And I think so. Until, because it's like until, so until signing day, because the yeah. other signing day is in like two weeks. Well, but there's visits allowed to happen for seniors. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you can take your official, like if you're not committed, and you're a senior, you could take an official visit this weekend and next weekend. Right. If you're not signed. If you're committed right. and yeah. you're not signed. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see what, what comes of that. Um, you know, it's it's certainly much better having those in in big for big twelve games than it was for because well. They didn't really play any Saturday AAC games. No, things went to Sunday real quick once the season started. So, so yeah, those those junior days were a little little more of a challenge. To well, and it just it was Tulsa or Temple or yeah, like none of them were on Saturdays. So, and they weren't good to be like it wasn't a, it wasn't an exciting atmosphere to begin with. We played Thursday at nine. Tulsa right. and then played Sunday at noon Sunday, at USF. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't miss any of that. No, not not for a second. I have not watched. I don't believe. Well, I've seen a little bit of some Memphis. A little bit, but not much. And a, and a little bit of some FAU, but other than that, I have not watched a second of that nonsense. Like I'm pretty excited when we get done with this and the nightcap that that I'll have the end of the uh, Kansas State Iowa State game to watch. Yeah. I got that on uh, over here right now. Like I have just like been enamored with getting to watch Big Twelve games. 
game on the computer screen, game on the TV screen, maybe check a score on my phone if I need to, if there's another one going on at the time. Um, it is, it's just good basketball. It's fun to watch. And I'm sure recruits pick up on that. Like they, they, they get a better vibe and a better feel for what this is actually like, as opposed well, like, to, you, know, you have like a, a big visit weekend this weekend, you probably have more of the guys on your current team who are willing to go to the game with all right. these guys. Like, cause it's just, a- I don't know how much that gets to happen. Honestly, no, because they they not only do they have to buy tickets, but the tick that a certain number they okay, only get they, a certain they don't number just get, made like, available. Student tickets for the guys you who have are to have student tickets. Well, you yeah. have to have. It's not like anymore where you just walk up and show your ID and they let you uh, in. So if those guys didn't like ahead of time right. get student tickets, there might not be student I'm, tickets. I'm for sure them to there's. A, I'm sure there's a few available for the UCF game. Yeah. But it's, I'm just saying, it's not as simple as it yeah, used to be. Right, where you just, right. hey, I have a student ID, let me in. Like, there's actually a process. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that, that, uh, this one Saturday is going to be a big one. Uh, like, I think the, 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 the list I'm hearing is pretty good. Somebody will complain about it because unless it's all high four and five stars, uh, it's not good enough. Mm. They're not all from Ohio. What are we even doing? But yeah, they've got to all be from Ohio and all be high four and five stars. <laughs> it's also got, yeah, how many guys aren't even rated yet? Right. Because so, we haven't done the camp circuit yet. And yeah. So, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have a lot else football wise. At the moment, yeah. guys are so getting guys are getting after it. I, I like I like Nico's videos. Yes, out outside in the in the elements. And we will make sure to have him on again here in a couple of weeks on the BBP to kind of go through some names. You know, the, this last time was a little broader, a little more overview. There weren't a whole lot of specifics, uh, except for some of the older guys. That like you know the the top of the roster captain types. I mean, you guys. Um, might, I mean, you, Brent always does a, a very nice job leading the, the discussion. Something that I would be interested in is like when the season doesn't go as as everyone hoped. How do you like? How does the strength coach and his kind of team look at that from from one year to the next and like we went over that we did we talked about it pretty extensively like like what kind of changes do you make changes in how you do things or like basically he said like there's a very fine line of like okay we we need to make some tweaks we need to to look at some things but we also have developed a process like we also have a a plan that that we believe works so you don't want to scrap that and just start over so you have to it's it's a tightrope to walk on right, like, like from a strength and conditioning standpoint they were really healthy last year yeah for the most part but, i mean get a head injury was really the the you know but i mean that i don't think i mean that's, that's hard not to, to train out of <laughs> you know right it wasn't that's like there was a bunch of hamstring injuries and quad injuries and 
stuff. I mean, I really, Dave, the only thing that kind of got them was a lot of these, like when they first got to town and there was the transition and the shift. Like, I think we did see, you know, they lost Sincere Lewis, who I thought had a chance to be a dude. We'll see if he can get back to that. Um, You lost Joey Belgian at tight end, which would have, you know, giving you a little bit more depth in the tight end room. Like, That's you did like, have some. Yeah, he tore his ace, like, you tear your knee up. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't equate that to, like, a strength. I'm, I'm saying the injuries that they had yeah. were during that transition right, there period. Were, there wasn't and really not, any during, I'm not going to say any, there were, but, like, in the grand scheme of season, things. Camp through the season was pretty clean. Mm-hmm. I'm just painting the whole picture. Yeah. because. I know, you know I have people digging up stuff I said two years ago to try to dunk <laughs> on me. I know I'm not wrong very often. That's when you know you've. That's when you know you've made it. Yeah, that's when I know I'm annoyed with people because then I try to joke about it, and they still just admit you're wrong. Admit you're wrong. Okay, man. It's like, is is it gonna make your night? Jesus. Um, but. It's an interesting, like I we did, we got into it for a while. If you if you scroll through the, uh, yeah, I mean, I probably I listened to it. And I just not probably, you, but just anybody else yeah. that that wants to hear it that didn't hear it the first time. If you find the BBP with Nico um, from a couple last week, uh, there's a lot of talk about that uh, in terms of making changes, but not changing like what you want to be and who you are. I think is a good way to put it. Yep. Harbaugh to the Chargers. That we'll timestamp real quick. Timestamp it up. Timestamp it up. That's UC football. Brought to you by Turtles Brew. Zero sugar, zero carbs, gluten free, six percent ABV. Bourbon infused sweet tea. They have cherry lime, raspberry peach, orange vanilla, lemonade tea, strawberry mint. Over a hundred locations in Ohio. Fifty. In the greater Cincinnati area, if you want to find them, go to turtlesbrew.com for more information and to find the location nearest you. So now, Dave, the overseer, the 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 largest name in the sport has retired, yeah. and the national championship coach has moved on to the NFL. And college football in 2024 is going to look pretty different. Yeah, like, well, I think I saw there might only be three active head coaches that have won a national championship now. Yeah, I think that's right. Kirby Smart, Mac Brown. Jimbo? And uh, no, he's not active. Well, that's right. He's not active. That's right. He's And um, shoot. I just had it, and now I'm going to forget. But uh, Oh, Dabo. Yeah, Dabo. So, but yeah, I mean, I'm not really surprised. He's been doing this song and dance for X number of, of years. He's, you know. He's got his title. He accomplished what he set out to accomplish at Michigan. He knows it. it now with Alabama kind of, I would say, quote, unquote, out of the way. This thing's going to run through Georgia for a little bit, I think. Probably. Yeah. We'll see if the 12-team playoff changes it. Yeah. But like, I mean, 
the reality is Georgia is going to quickly go back to the favorite. I mean, I, I just think for him in particular, it certainly sounds like, you know, winning the Super Bowl. Winning the Super Bowl has, has regardless of what he did at Michigan, had always been at the forefront of. Uh, I mean, because Michigan was, I mean, he kept asking for things and they kept giving them, giving them to him. He was going to be the highest paid coach in the sport. He was going to have all of the protections uh, from any potential fallout from any number of things that they have been dealing with over the last three to four years. Um, And he still chose to go to the Chargers. So, well, guess guess what you don't have to deal with in the NFL? A bunch of those stupid ass rules. Those dumb rules. The stupid ass rules that you have to deal with in the in the NCAA. Yeah. Like when they tell you not to do something and you do it anyway. Yeah. Uh because you don't care. You just because get, you know your your team worth however many billions of dollars gets fined like 500 grand. Right. Right. <laughs> and you get fined a couple hundred thousand or something. Yeah, I mean, when you just set, signed like a hundred million dollar gar- fully guaranteed contract, I, I don't know. I just, for me, like it's it's fascinating that we're about to enter a new era of the twelve team playoff, and there's so much. I mean, like Natalie said, three of the four playoff teams don't have their head coach anymore. Yep, and one of them is the greatest coach in the history of the sport. The other one was pretty damn good at it and just won a national championship uh, after mm-hmm. for three years dominating the Big Ten. Yeah. So they didn't lose a Big Ten game for three years, did they? Um, I know they didn't lose one the last two. My my memory is probably that they didn't, but I, I don't know. Three years ago was the year that they were in the playoff and lost to Georgia opposite Cincinnati and Alabama. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, two years ago was TCU. Yeah, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think they lost the Big Ten. They and did, you're, they get, you're getting out as uh, Oregon and Washington and USC and UCLA are coming yeah. in, which you're not. You're, yeah, the days of beating up on Iowa in the Big Ten championship game are thankfully over. The days of playing the, – the divisions are gone. The Hell days yeah. of playing a shitty Big Ten West team in the championship are gone. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, you just don't – you don't get to play – There's no Big Ten West. Every championship <laughs> game anymore. Now it's um, probably going to be Ohio State again or – I mean, it won't be Penn State because James Franklin can't win a big game to save no. his life. Um, but How about – speaking of, how about Thamel putting Luke's name in his tweet about – the Michigan uh, job. Potential candidates. Yeah. Well, he didn't. He basically said in previous times when we talked about going to the NFL, Matt Campbell and Luke Fickle were considered names of interest. Not that they would be like he no. He worded his way out of like saying that, but yeah. He did. He did do his boy a favor, of course. Yeah. Okay, you're that's right, the one kid. Uh, they did lose to Michigan State three years ago. Yeah. I just forgot Mel Tucker won a game of relevance in his <laughs> yeah. dreadful Michigan State tenure. Right, but uh, I mean, 
I would be pretty floored if they don't hire Sharon Moore. Everything seems to point I to mean, that. The guy beat Ohio State and Penn State. He would keep, you know, I'm sure there will still be some guys that maybe. I mean, what did, I saw they have like five projected first round picks in next year's draft. Next year, yeah. Will Johnson, Colston Loveless. Um, I don't know. Yeah. But I yeah, I mean, put it out, but yeah. But uh but yeah, I mean it, it would seem that and and normally I would I would say you don't hire an assistant just to try to keep guys from transferring. But he, he won, was ahead for half the half the damn season. Right. Like <laughs> so you he has he has gotten to see what it looks like as the, the league guy. And the offensive coordinator, O line coach, and those have been, you know, those have been very good units for them. Uh, we'll be interesting to see if Jesse Minter goes with him to the Chargers. I would guess so, wouldn't you? Like I've, if you I've, really I've heard the reports of him wanting to go to back to the I've NFL. I've heard him too. as the DC. I've heard his his son, or I guess it's his son, not brother Jay. I don't know. Um, is the special teams coordinator, and then him also possibly taking the strength coach. But um, but yeah, I mean. Maybe Rick will go to coach linebackers in the NFL. Wouldn't be a bad end of your career gig. Move to San Diego, coach linebackers. What would he do in San Diego? Or in LA, I mean, whatever. <laughs> I mean, he'd rather be in San Diego. Sure. I would rather be in San Diego. Absolutely. <laughs> what a what a incredible city. But yeah. But yeah, that wouldn't um suck. no. Uh, the I, I laugh at a lot of, like, guys are getting out because of NIL and the portal and that stuff. But the one thing you can't deny is it feels like there's been more change at the very top of the sport than, you know, most, like, two, three-year windows in the past. So there has to at least be some credence to there are some guys saying, I'm over this shit. Like it's constant, it's nonstop. There's no off season. There's no downtime. Well, I mean, it goes um, back to what we talked about of how terrible the calendar is yeah. for coaches. Like, why would you want to do that? Right. Like NFL coaches take multiple vacations over right. a six month period. For they disappear with their families for like a month at a time. And it's like college. I mean, I, yeah, I'm, college. Knowing some of these college guys, it feels like if they get a five day window to get out of town, like that's like, oh my god! But they're still. But you know what they're still doing? They're still like texting recruits. Yep. And and checking in on the off season or the off season program or you know it's like you're not actually like detached from anything ever. Yeah, I don't know. I would take five days and just throw my phone in the ocean and be like, I'm going to buy another one when we get out. Or like an, an NFL assistant coach is like, we got GMs and, and scouts and player personnel directors. Like, I can literally not do anything in the this time of year. Like, the Senior Bowl is next week. So yep. it's like, Janu you know, if you're not in the playoffs January, like, you have nothing to do. Maybe you start looking at some – college Draft tape stuff. but like yeah. you're still 
waiting for combine and pro day and senior bowl and all those things to really like truly start as a coach the scouts and the those guys have been that's yeah. their job i mean that's their job They're, they've been looking at those guys all year but like from a pure coaching standpoint like you're not even really necessarily digging into the draft yet no you're just starting to good gig if you can get it yeah buddy i mean i think we're just gonna see i mean the value, the value of NFL teams is skyrocketing, and they're going to be paying all these coaches much more money. And I think we're just going to see it happen more and more. Anything else you want to get to? Um, I don't think so. All right. I think I'm good. I don't really have anything else. So let's wrap it up. Bearcats back in action. You got a prediction for Saturday? Saturday night? I don't think I'm going to make it. Volleyball season starts Saturday, and apparently we have a tournament uh, that could potentially run. Their first game is at 8 a.m., and potentially their last game is at 7 p.m. That sounds like a fun day. <laughs> yeah. Do you have like YouTube TV on your phone or some way to just watch basketball? I have ESPN. I have ESPN Plus. Like right. I can I can watch it. Um, I'm a good. I like volleyball. I actually enjoy. Yeah, it's not a bad sport to watch for like twelve hours on a Saturday. No, no. <laughs> what I'm saying is, is in general, there's there's I worse there's I worse sports you could play. Watching yeah. volleyball, but gonna be a long day it's gonna be a long day yeah. i was hoping when i saw that we drew the morning wave that i would be able to get out of there by like but there's also like an afternoon five. wave there's tournament play. like the morning is pool play yeah and then the bracket play is in the like late afternoon you know you always get your best performances from 13 year olds when they've been awake for 12 hours playing games nonstop in you know without proper hydration and nutrition and rest and everything it's really a great idea to to put them through that type of an environment it's also a great environment for kids that you know they're 13 they don't go to bed like you can yeah. make them lay in their bed right they don't go to sleep i have a like it's my kid of course she's a night owl <laughs> like of course she is yeah um so they don't get any sleep and then they like we actually, I I rented a hotel Friday night because I would waking up at four in the morning and driving, like getting everything ready and driving to Indianapolis and being there uh, at seven when the team has to be there. No, I'm not doing that. No, no, sir. So I will be sitting at the Marriott East, uh, having some bourbon and Indy. Friday night, if anyone wants to join me. Maybe, maybe, out. maybe Brent will. No, I didn't invite him. Well, he just kind of said you where you were going to be. He might show up. He might. No, I look. Are, are the bourbons on, on the BCJ account? I mean, they can be. <laughs> hopefully expect- we get this. Hopefully we get this deal done, Dave. I don't know anything about it. Trying to work on a deal with New Riff as a, a new sponsor of the BCJ right. podcast network. There you go. 
So maybe they'll send everybody a bottle, a BCJ bottle. We opened the one in Kansas oh, you did? City. Oh, no. was it good? Uh, the malted, the malted rye, the Bearcat yeah. Journal bottle. It was very good, very good. It had some, uh, it had some teeth. It was one of those that, like, you drink it, and you're like, "That's pretty smooth," and then it goes, "Whoa!" Nothing I would know anything about. You breathe fire a little bit, like ten seconds later. Did you? Did you you taste, got Saturday. Did you taste the leather and the and the oak and all those weird things that people what? say that they taste? You can always taste the oak. That's why it's brown. <laughs> right. That's the whole point of bourbon. <laughs> people don't realize this. Bourbon is actually white. It's clear. And then they yeah. put it in the oak barrels, and that turns it brown. Do I have a prediction for Saturday? Um, when? <laughs> I don't know. Like, that's <laughs> by three. Okay. Uh, any volleyball trips to Michigan? I don't think. I think most of the stuff we do this season is Indianapolis. We have a couple, Dave. Two at Spooky Nook in Hamilton, which oh, okay. actually is kind of worse than being out of town for me. That's not close to Independence. Kentucky. No. Like, you. that's like, that's you're almost to Indianapolis in the time it takes me to get to Spooky Nook and Hamilton. But we have two there, uh, one in Gatlinburg, uh, a couple in Indy. I think we go to Bowling Green, Kentucky. But we don't go north a whole lot. Sorry, Natalie. I love a good hotel bar, too. But, all right. There you go, Dave. Hour and 33 minutes tonight. This, this is your favorite episode of 2024. It's up there. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next Wednesday. That's the BCJ podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail right here on BearcatJournal.com.